Welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast, where we explore stories from around the world. We hear from educators, parents, students, entrepreneurs and scientists about innovations that help make learning easier and more successful. I'm your host, Peter Barnes. My brother, a primary school principal, told me he often noticed the kids who did well at school had families who were very engaged in their education and in the school community. That's not to say children can't achieve at school if their families are not involved, but it's an interesting observation. So I thought I would explore the impact of family involvement on a special category of students, those struggling with their learning. And I spoke with Anne-Marie O'Hagan, a former teacher and now a tutor working with struggling students for her perspective on this issue. Hello, Anne-Marie. How are you today? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, pleasure. It's so good to have you on the, on the podcast. So before we get rolling, and we're going to talk about uh, family engagement, but before we do that, can you just tell us a little bit about you and how you got into tutoring? Okay, so I am I'm a primary school teacher and I... Interestingly, hadn't, uh, someone growing up never, ever thought that I would be a teacher. I thought it would be the worst job in the world because they had it, they've got a tough gig. Um, and it wasn't until my sister sort of studied at university and she became a teacher and I would help her with her assignments and I thought, oh, this actually looks all right. This is more interesting than, I, than what I was currently studying at university. Um, and so several years later, after going into the workforce, into roles that weren't very fulfilling, I decided to go back to university. Um, so I became a primary school teacher. I did that for a couple of years. Tutoring was not something that was even on my radar until after I had children of my own and I was looking for additional ways to, I guess, stay at home with my own children longer. Uh, and since doing so, I think I started off with one or two students that were referred to me by friends. Um, it has grown and grown until I now have more work than I know what to do with, which is a lovely way to be. That's um, fine. But and you're, you're based in, in um, Melbourne, I'm, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I'm based in the Bayside suburb of Bray Morris. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful suburb on the water. Um, certainly a, a number of primary schools, high schools in the area, so there doesn't the high schools tend to be predominantly private schools within the very close vicinity or Catholic schools. We've only very, very recently had the local high school reopen. Um, so we've got a, I think we certainly service a cross-section of the community there. And, and are you focusing on, on secondary students, high school students or, or the whole no, spectrum? I predomin- no, no, not the whole spectrum. I predominantly focus more on primary age students, um, so prep through to year six. I do, however, work with a number of high school students and more that sort of happened more so because they've stayed with me over the years. Um, it's not. I, I certainly wouldn't typically advertise that I can tutor high school students um, my real love and my real passion is in the early years and getting children, I guess, on the, on the right step to reading. It's really, it's really important, isn't it? If you can get the kids um, up to scratch, so to speak, early in their education career, <laughs> early in school, yes. the whole, the rest of it becomes so much easier for them and their parents. So, and so much easier. 
Yeah. And so many parents will tell me, oh, I wish I had have done this earlier. I wish I had have started sooner because what they find is most of my clients will come to me when their students are in, their children are in year three or year four and they're really struggling and they hate school and they don't enjoy it. And that brings with it a whole other number of issues. You know, it creates anxiety, they lose their confidence and they're not feeling particularly good about themselves and that's when they will seek help. Whereas if, you know, they were, if they started off on the right foot very early on, for many of these children, certainly not all, but for many, um, many of those issues could have been prevented. And so, how, do, how do the teachers react to their student going out for tutoring? That's a really good question. So I was shocked. I never, I always just assumed we're all on the same page, we're all on the same team. And it wasn't until I returned um, and caught up with some old teacher friends of mine that one of them looked at me um, and it was almost as though I'd, I'd crossed over to the dark side. <laughs> and mm. I was like, oh, it was almost as though I was doing something, I felt like I was doing something wrong. Um, but for me, well, no, I'm, I'm still helping the kids and it's just because I'm not in the classroom doesn't mean that I can't make a difference or, or help them. Um, so certainly there can seem to be an us and them scenario at times, um, but not always. So I work with a number of teachers to help um, children. And we, we work together. So we email each other regularly about what's working and what's not working with the students that we're working with. Um, so I guess it's just a matter of different mindsets yeah, out there. Yeah, that, and that's, that's really Trying to create that shift. Yeah, because really for a teacher with 20-plus kids in the class of all different abilities um, mm. And you're one on one. Are you one on one, or are you one to small? Yes, predominantly one on one. I've got okay. a couple of small groups, but most of mm. my clients are one on one. Yeah, well, it's a big difference, isn't it? T- uh, teaching one on one to teaching a whole group with different skill sets and different levels and different Absolutely. maturity and all of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And they can't, you just cannot do it. I mean, I've worked in the classroom, I know how that works. You cannot give the same level of attention that you can in a one-on-one scenario. Um, So they don't quite compare. um, But ultimately, we both have the same goal. So we both need to work together on that um, because at the end of the day, we both want what is best for the student. Yeah, of course. And so in in the student, in in the tutoring relationship, there's a, I can see there's about four different parties. There's the tutor, there's the student, there's the teacher, and then there's the parents or the families. Absolutely. So what we wanted to talk to you today about is how do you engage families? How important, first of all, how important is it for the success of the tutoring to have the families engaged in what's happening? It is so, so, so important um, to engage the families because what we want to do is ensure that the students get the most out of it. So the parents want the best for their student, the teachers want the best, I want the best for them. So we all want the child going to school feeling confident. Um, And what we do know is that when families are engaged, the academic performance increases. So there's a lot of research now surrounding family engagement Um, particularly in schools, and the evidence is really consistent. Um, It's very convincing 
families have got a major influence on the children's achievement um, in school and, you know, throughout their life in general. But many studies have found that students with involved parents, no matter what their income or their background, they're more likely to have higher academic results um, in both their grades and their test scores. They pass their classes. They are going to attend school more regularly. And they've got better social skills um, and show better, they show more improved behaviour and adapt better to school. Um, and certainly that then leads on to attending higher education. And I think, you know, for our listeners, that's certainly what we we all want that for our students. Um, I know John Hattie has done a lot of work in the area and he's discusses the combination of parental encouragement and high expectations from students and found that when pursued consistently throughout a child's development, parental engagement could amount to the equivalent of an additional two to three years schooling for a child, which adds massively to their overall achievement. Um, So when it comes to family engagement, um, very, very important. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about it. And just by the way, John Hattie appeared on our podcast um, a couple of years back, so... Um, I have listened, yes. <laughs> right, okay. So well, from your point of view, what's a successful family engagement look like? Okay, so I think um, it can look different in many different scenarios, but I think the underpinning um, or the fundamental thing that we're looking for there is trust and mutual respect. It's getting, It's building relationships and it's getting to know the parents um, and helping them understand working out what the parents can do to best help their child. So we're looking for solutions for any challenges that might come up so that we can get the parents involved, you know, and, you know, really, I guess, prevent any issues from popping up later on. Um, So, the sorts of things that we might do is we might ask the parents to get involved in the sessions um, or provide parents with training on how to achieve very specific goals um, that we want the students to achieve. Um, right. So certainly not just about, you know, a quick email or a quick text, but there is quite a lot that we can do. So can I ask you, Is there, do you have a sort of a... a regular standard process for family engagement or is it um, specific to each family, each student, each situation? It certainly is specific to each family because what works for one isn't going to work for everyone. There's no one sort of one size fits all approach. Um, But certainly when, I guess I use the analogy a lot when uh, parents will phone looking to inquire about potential tutoring um, they often ask me, well, you know, how often, will, how quickly will I see results? And I really put that back on them because it, you know, I often I liken it to say personal training. You know, or going to the gym. You can go once a week, and you know, you'll make gains and, and you will get some results, and it will be helpful. Um, but if you really want to see long term sustained growth, it's going to come back to what you're doing at home as well. Um, and I explain that I, I will set them you know, brief homework tasks that I expect to be done frequently and they're usually no more than five or ten minutes because I want to make it achievable. I know how busy everyone is these days um, and the mere, you know, mention of homework can often get groans and, oh, you know, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, it can be a source of considerable tension and conflict in some families. Absolutely can. Mm. Um, I've got 
two children who are school age and you know I can see some of the homework that comes in and I see a lot of homework from uh, other children and other schools and some of it's absolutely fantastic other homework you know it's it's not great and I think the thing about homework is for lack of a better word crap homework really crap results so what we do know about homework is that we need it to um we need it to be short we need it to be frequent and we need it to be closely monitored by the teachers okay that's what's going to have more of an impact and the more specific and precise the task is um the more likely it will to have an impact. So on the other side of that, the more complex and open-ended and unstructured, the lower the effect size will be. So I, when I'm working with families, I really want them to be able to feel confident that they can complete the tasks given. And so they need the tools, like, like I need to provide them with the tools to do that. Terrific. Um, so so can, doing- can we come back to the, the how, how the parent um, supports that homework and, and the work mm. For home in a minute, but before we get to that, just on the question of engaging the family members to begin with, I imagine there'll be parents who um, contact you, they've got a child that they believe has an issue, and they bond with you pretty easily. They're expecting good results, and um, they'll be and they'll trust you, it'll be easier, easy for you to engage with them then there's probably I imagine I don't tell me mm-hmm. if I'm off the track here but there are parents who may be a bit skeptical of you maybe the mum's fine but the dad might be uh, you know who's this lady going to try and teach my kid something and oh, absolutely and and then, then I guess there are other parents who just want to outsource their kids education to an expert i.e., you and don't yes. want to be involved or just don't have the time they might be busy professionals or busy business people or whatever it is. So how do you deal with those three categories? I mean, the first one obviously is easy. They like you, they trust you, where you go. But the other two, one's a bit sceptical and one who wants to outsource. How do you handle that? Certainly the first category are a lot easier. Um, Those who want to outsource, I think there's a number, if we look at a number of reasons as to why they're outsourcing it, um, one of those reasons you mentioned is because they're too busy. you know, certainly the way life is these days, everyone is busy, everyone is working and we all are doing probably more than we need to at times um, and that's okay. So they may not have the time and so they want to feel that right, I've got somebody else there that can do this, they're dedicating that time and they're doing, they're investing that time that I just don't have. Um, but the same outcome, the child's getting support, so that's a win for, for everyone all around. Um, the other sort that you may, you know, I do encounter is they want help. They don't know how to help or they just don't feel confident helping them themselves because maybe they found school tricky, maybe they had challenges or maybe they found it really easy at school and they just don't understand why their child is having difficulties and then that causes frustration and tension between the two. Yeah. Um, so again, then it's easier to outsource so that it's not creating that conflict within the household. Um, But I guess when, you know, particularly when we meet with these parents who want to outsource it, they're too busy, I guess that's about having sort of the harder conversations um, and say, look, 
you really, I, I can do this for you, but if you really want help, there are things that I need you to do. So again, I need to make them accountable over time. And it's about providing them with things that they feel comfortable doing, things that are easy and things that are going to very quickly produce positive outcomes for their child. Um, because once they see those outcomes and once they see the difference that their input has made, they're on board and suddenly they're feeling a little bit more comfortable to try something different and, and something extra. So I'm not about creating more work for the parents um, at all. Nobody needs more work, but certainly I do want to provide them with the tools that they can just do short snippets each day or sort of you know, four or five days of the week um, for them to see measurable outcomes for mm-hmm. their child. Great. So what do you want the parents to do at home? Uh, do you want them to actually do some of the teaching that you're teaching or do you want them just to be primarily motivators for their child to do what you've asked them to do at home? I do want them to be both. And I think, again, this is coming back to the mindset that we cannot, um, you know, the schools are not the primary educators of our children. They are one source of education, but we cannot, you know, say, well, that's the school's responsibility. They have to do everything. They have to do all of it. So what I do want the parents to do is I want them to motivate their children. I want them to provide opportunities at home to make learning fun and to get, you know, children engaged. But I also want them to do some of the learning tasks. So one way to do that is, have them sit in on the sessions and say, okay, this is one activity that we're going to do. Um, I want you to watch and this is why we're doing this activity. Um, This is how it's done because I want you to mirror this at home. And that might be an activity that takes three or four minutes. And if you do that each day, the child is going to have that repetition and you will see the results. Um, And because it's brief, it's, and it's not too time consuming, you know, it, it becomes quite, achievable and the other thing that you know I would ask them to do is sometimes I might you know teach a lesson or a series of lessons and then I would provide the um the parent with some questions and say look here are some questions these are the key points that I you know have been trying to get across to your child over these lessons these are the things I want you to reinforce because we know that when we learn something if we do not, you know, review that after a couple of days, over time we forget and I don't want the child to forget these things. So giving the parents just a couple of quick questions to ask throughout the week, um, you know, they get the questions, they get the answers. Again, the child doesn't have to write anything down. The parent just has to sort of, you know, read a few questions and it's bringing that information back to the forefront of the student's mind and making it stick. So that's it. great. That sounds like it, it makes it a lot easier for the parent to do the supporting at home yeah. when you, you've actually, you're actually teaching the parent as well from what I've just Absolutely. heard you say. You, you're you're um, getting them to come and sit in and watch you do it. And you said yes. earlier too something about you, you have t- uh, parent groups. Do you do that? that I do. So, and this was something that's came about because when I have involved parents in the sessions, it is amazing um, how just how many times you see the light bulb moments for the parents as well as the child, and they say, "Oh my goodness, of course! Why, why didn't anyone ever tell me this before?" Um, so, what I, I do run now is I do run parent training sessions, 
Um, and that was out of a need because I no longer had enough openings to help as many children as I would like. So I thought if I can help the parents go home and teach their children and know what is important, um, as I said, particularly in those early years, um, then many more children will benefit. And I think Very parents nice. want to know. Mm. They want to help. They just don't, we, we don't always know how. Great. So you're leveraging your, your expertise via the parents. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm, excellent. Uh, and that, now just tell me, what sort of information are you sharing? Do you have a, a process of keeping the, I guess you do, uh, just tell me mm. what it is of keeping the parents informed of their, their children's progress. Is there a... Um, Absolutely. A, a, can yes. you talk to us about that? Um, initially I will make it very clear that the first session is, you know, it is an assessment session. It's a getting to know you session. Um, I need to know where the children are at um, so that I can pitch the work appropriately and that we can come up with an effective plan moving forwards. So it's about going, okay, this is where your child is now, this is where we need to get them and this is what we're going to do. Um, So there's a lot of, you know, they'll receive a detailed report and information on what they can do and we we set the goals together and I like to involve the child in this. Um, Some of them... It has really surprised me how many are really happy to have a tutor. Um, some I know and I joke with them and say, look, I know you're only here because mum and dad made you and I know you'd rather be at home playing. <laughs> Fortnite. <laughs> yes, thank you, Fortnite. Um, thinking all the old games that I used to play. Now, you know, and that they're, they're quite open. They're pretty honest. So, yeah, that's true. Um, and I'll ask them, look, you know, if you got to choose something that you would like to, that would make your life at school easier, you know, what would that be? And then they get some input. And if they're involved, they're more likely to be on board as well, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really important. So coming back to the sorts of information that I share, it will be the assessments. It's going to be, you know, we're going to look at things, a lot of things, particularly around English, spelling, reading, uh, reading fluency, their decoding, their handwriting. So there are so many ways that you can measure their progress um, and just sort of keep giving them that consistent information over time. But I think the other thing that I think is really important is sharing important comments that they might make from time to time. The, the child doesn't think is a big deal, but as a parent, mm. you know, they may not mm. always hear um, a perfect example, I had a child recently say, I asked um, the student how his book is coming along, which is a big deal because a couple of years ago you know, he was having trouble, you know, stringing a sentence together and, and now he's, you know, off writing a book. Mm. And he said, oh, you know, if I didn't have to go to school, I would have so much more time writing. <laughs> I can't wait to grow up and become mm. an author and I'll have a dog and I'm just going to sit there and work from home with my dog and write books all day. And I told that to the parent and they just laughed and went, see, it's so good because these are the comments that we think we may never hear um, or even little things when the parents do say, I really do like mum's cooking, but, you know, I may not tell them that. How lovely, Um, yeah. It's Mm. really nice to share that with their parents because too often as parents we hear what our kids can't do and we hear, oh, you know, that they're struggling with this area, we need to do this, this and this. And after a while, you can zone out and you just don't want to hear it anymore. Um, and then it's, you know, very easy to become disengaged with school because yeah. if all you're hearing what your child can't do, 
after a while. Oh. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that would be tough for parents. And, and if parents reflect that back to their child too strongly or too often, that they're not doing Absolutely. Then that, I imagine, will have an impact on the child too. Well, of course, it creates huge levels um, of anxiety mm. and you know, a number of the children I work with will be you know, highly anxious mm. and they want to do well. But consistently across them, they really want they want to do well for their parents and they want that recognition from their parents, you know, that they are doing well um, yeah. because that's, you know, they really care. Yeah, of course. One of the things I've noticed lately is, um, preschools using um, sharing apps, video and web apps and so forth to report on the children's progress. And I'm, I'm, sp- I'm specifically noticing this in a couple of places, one of, the, one of which is um, my, I have a um, preschool granddaughter and regularly I get alerts and the parents get alerts that, you know, yes. she's done this, her, they've learnt this today and all of that stuff. Do you, do you use anything like that or, or you, you're more um, written and just oral straight to the Not parents? yet. I'm not doing it yet. So mm-hmm. I have been looking into software options and I have mm-hmm. narrowed it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is something that I am looking to do in the future. But at the moment, typically, yeah, it is a lot of conversations um, sometimes it might be halfway through a session and I might just snap a, fi- a picture of the child's work and sort of text it to the parent and say, oh, look at this, you know, oh, they've done it. Or sometimes we'll even create little videos um, and celebrate their successes that way and send those on, you know, to the parents. And I think it's, it is really important to celebrate those small wins um, as they go along and to boost the child's confidence. Um, so certainly there is a lot of sharing of information. It just hasn't been formalised through that video, the web app at the moment. But it sounds like it's coming. So soon, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Anne-Marie, look, thank you very much for, for your time today. Uh, I've learnt quite a bit about um, family engagement with tutors and how you do it and the value of it. And I'm sure our um, audience will appreciate what you've told them. Now, if any members of our audience would like to get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing or uh, they may even be tutors interested in um, sharing some uh, information with a colleague or getting some information from you, how, how would they? How would someone contact you? What's the best way? You can contact me via my website. So that's tandemtutoring.com.au. Um, T-A-N-D-E-M tutoring. Yes. So tandem tutoring, the mm. idea behind it was working together. So working in tandem with parents, with schools and the student so that we are all working together on that same shared goal of helping the student's success. So, yes, tandem, T-A-N-D-E-M. Excellent. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Learning Capacity Podcast, brought to you by LearnFastHQ.com delivering the world's best evidence-based solutions for learning since 1999. Head over to our website to read a transcript of the podcast. Go to learnfasthq.com, that's L-E-A-R-N-F-A-S-T-H-Q.com, and click on Podcast in the menu at the top of the page. And don't forget to subscribe in your listening app 
so you don't miss hearing any of the interesting discussions about learning, teaching and education.